Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to finish up today a message that I started, I don't know, some weeks ago. It started out as as the title of the message was um, a man or a person or a young person or a boy or a girl after God's heart. David had the testimony that he was a man after God's heart, yet we do know that David was only between like 12, 13, 15 years old at the story of David and Goliath, which is pretty amazing. But it was always, God loved to work in ways that from a human perspective, it didn't make sense. And, and how many of you know that when God does it that way, he gets the glory? Um, I mean, and it's just like me standing up here right now. There's, there's probably nobody that would say, that would give me any credit for what I'm doing because if you know me, you wouldn't. Let me put it that way. Um, only the Lord could save me and did, and I am so very, very thankful for that. David was a man after God's heart because he started walking with the Lord Young, he was able to face a giant before he was 15 years old. David was, was a healthy young man. He had a good mind. I mean, all those things were, were a part of David, but still David, in comparison to Goliath, there was no, no comparison in ability. We looked at the fact that David was a man of honor. He honored the people. He was a man of humility. He, was a, he had a, a positive mindset. He had a can-do attitude. David had all those things. I believe that God wants to raise up a generation. How many of you know that if you've been born again, you've been given an assignment? And your assignment is not to just be saved until Jesus comes. That's not an assignment. Anybody can do that. You've been given an assignment by God that he wants you to fulfill in this earth that will ultimately have an impact for the kingdom of God. How many of you know that? And that assignment can be anything. That assignment can go, you know, a lot of times I think, especially when I started out, when I first got saved, there was only two assignments uh, that Christians had. And that was to either be a preacher or a singer. That's why there was a lot of preachers that shouldn't have been preaching and a lot of singers that shouldn't have been singing. But it was kind of like, it was kind of like this. If you loved the Lord, then you, then you had to be a preacher or you had to be a singer. And um, boy, those were the days. I can remember walking in. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of hang out with y'all a bit this morning if it's all right. I remember preaching a revival in a church and watching a guy walk in the back door with a, with a binder, you know, like those three ring binder kind of things, but it was like about this wide and a guitar in his, uh, you know, you know, thing you do, carrier thing. A what? Yes, that's what I was looking for, that word right there, case. And so he walks in the door and he sits down in the back row. And so, of course, back then it was, anybody got a song on your heart? And everybody had at least one song on their heart. 
everybody, especially the ones that couldn't sing a lick, and they had about five songs on their heart. And uh, the, the pastor, and I thought, oh my goodness, because, you know, I mean, this is like an hour and 15 minutes into the service, I'm ready to preach, because I understand the fact that if you get numb on one end, you get dumb on the other. And so, I'm wait, the pastor looks at him and he says, brother so-and-so, um, would you like to sing a song? Well, pastor, I didn't, I didn't come to sing. I didn't have any intentions on singing. But now that you ask, I will. You don't walk in the door with a guitar in a case and a book under your arm if you don't intend on singing. Y'all don't like stories like this, do you? <laughs> he came up, proceeded to sing, and probably about 30 minutes later, they asked me, they said, it's your time to get up and preach. And I thought, I'll show them. <laughs> I'll preach for two hours. Uh, no, I actually got up and I said, you know, I think, we've, I think we've heard about all we need to hear today. And um, I think what would be the best thing to do is just for us to pray together and then we'll leave. And, and so I prayed and, and, and we left. I don't know why I told that story, <laughs> but here's what I know, and I've been watching this over the years. When you are a preacher and you get 60, you can tell stories. You can just tell stories and just keep on telling them and nobody cares, or at least they act like they don't. I think you're acting, some of you. Some of you are not even acting. It's like, would you shut up and get on with this thing? David was a man that God used in a, in, a, in a wonderful way. And he wants to use you in a wonderful, amazing way as well. There's three things, and it's not going to be a long message, there's three things I'm going to give you. <clears throat> when we look at this entire thing of David, the things I want to share with you today are going to culminate on number three. And number three is going to explain to you why David was able to do number one and number two. So if you're taking notes, write those down. If not, you got, you know, remember them, go back, write it down later, whatever you need to do. But remember this. If you're going to take the giants down that are coming against you, I don't know what they are. I don't know what kind of giant is coming against your mind. I don't know what kind of giant is coming against you as a person. I don't know if it's financial, uh, a giant of some financial thing that's coming against you that you're struggling with. I don't know if it is a relational issue. I don't know if it's a job issue. I don't know if it's a friend issue. I don't know if it's a marriage issue or a parenting issue. I don't know what that giant is. But we all face giants in life that attempt to stand at the very door of our assignment to keep us from stepping in and becoming all that God wants us to be, doing all that God wants us to do, and having an impact on a generation. Does that make sense? So the very first thing I want you to notice, and, and I want to I I read this, look at verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, and, and I, I mentioned this last week, but I, I need to cover. When, Adi, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger 
That's a pretty serious situation right there when you're burning with anger. How many know if you're, if you're burning with anger, um, it didn't just start? You, you had a, there's a relational issue that's hanging around. He could have got angry, but he burned. Why? Because there was already a fire of anger in him. So he and his brother got some issues. And he said, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Those few sheep. Did you notice he had to add that? Kind of like a, kind of like a jab. I'm out here with this humongous army and you got a few sheep, you know, back there that you're responsible for. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You come down only to watch the battle. He has just made a judgment of David's motives. The beautiful thing is, is the only reason we know that that is not true is because we've already seen Jesse, David's daddy, saying, you are going to go down there. You're going to take some food. You're going to see what's going on. You're going to see if your brothers are doing good. And then you're going to come back and give me a report. So, see, we already know. Or we might believe that David is conceited. We might believe what his brother says. And if you're sitting in among the people and you hear his brother say it, you might be apt to say, yeah, that, that kid, that's the, way, that's the way this young generation is. They're all like that. But we know better because we've already seen Jesse. We've already heard that all he's doing is what he was asked to do. So number one, David did not quit David did not quit when he was criticized, when he was accused, when he was ridiculed, or when he was judged. David did not quit. Giant killers don't quit. Giant killers don't quit. And if it's a real giant if he's a real giant killer, let me tell you what happens. The resurrection power of God's going to get him back up, even when he does. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? But David's strength was the fact that he would not quit. Some of you have been through things that nobody can even imagine, but you are here today because you did not quit. And that is the making of a giant killer. Where does that come from? That's number three. Don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. We're going to get there. How do you do that? How do you become a giant killer? How do you become someone that can stand there? And if you notice, it was his brother that said it. So you've got, you've got Goliath that's already saying nasty things to him and about him. And now you've got his brother. Have you ever noticed how sometimes the, the hurtful things that come and that are said come from outside? And then sometimes it's friendly fire. Sometimes there's people sitting right in your midst that you just don't expect it from. Now, I think David expected it because I think there were some jealousy issues there with his brother. But there are times the enemy's going to come at you, and if you allow criticism, accusation, judgment, ridicule 
to get inside of you, it will stop you from facing the giant and taking the giant down. Is anybody tracking with me? Sometimes, sometimes the ridicule, David didn't do this, sometimes it can come from yourself. Sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Because everybody else may be believing in you and you don't believe in yourself. But that's number two, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. What has somebody said to you that has gotten inside of you and has affected your life in such a way that it has changed the course or the direction, maybe from the assignment that God's called you to because of ridicule, accusation, judgment. I know why Bud preaches. He just does it for the money. <laughs> what's, that, what's that saying people use now? If you know, you know that's funny. Um, people will judge your motives. They'll judge why you do what you do. If you let that get in you, you'll quit. Oh, they only, the only reason she's down there taking care of them kids, the only reason she's doing that children's class down there is because she is looking for a man. <laughs> only reason she goes to the Harvest Community Church, she knows that there's all them good-looking single men in that church, and she's just trying to find her a man. All the single men, if you would raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We'll do that afterwards. Anyway, <laughs> judging motives. When You know what? The reason she may be here is just because she loves the Lord. Amen. And you're all tore up because you know people are talking about you. And you're just ready to quit. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to I'm just going to quit. Because they're talking about me. They're saying bad things about me. They're criticizing me. You going to quit? Or are you going to be a giant killer? Because I'm going to promise you something. I found this out the hard way. If you quit when people say bad stuff about you, accuse you, lie about you, or tell the truth. <laughs> Both of those can be tough, right? You might as well go lock yourself up in a little room somewhere and let somebody slide food under the door and stay there until you're gone. Because in this culture especially, it is mandated through social media that we criticize that we're mean, that we're hateful, that we say terrible things to people that we don't even know. It is mandated. You, if you're on Facebook and you don't do that, you are not a good Facebooker, I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> it's just something you gotta do. It's the way it is. It is so bad that there are kids that commit suicide because people on social media are saying things about them that don't even know them and they let it get inside. 
But sometimes the kids let it get inside because they don't have parents teaching them how not to. Because the parents are sitting around depressed and discouraged and on everything in the world, can't even move or think anymore because somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody offended me. I don't mean to say that in a critical manner. I'm just telling you, the kids are going to pick up on what we do and the way we handle things. And so the reason I do what I do every Sunday here is to help us find from Scripture how to live life. Help us find from the Word of God how to live. I'm a fellow struggler. I mean, I would like to be on this platform to say, I've got it all, I've learned it all, I've done it all, I've, I'm, I'm perfect now, and you peons, <laughs> learn from me. I'm a fellow struggler. But here's what I know. The answers are here. The answers are not out there. The wisdom of the world will destroy your life. The world has gotten so confused. The, our current culture is so confused and messed up that they don't know whether they're coming or going. We come back here and we say, give me your wisdom. You tracking with me? Don't let other people get under your skin. Number two, look at verse 32. David, after dealing with his brother, moving on, not letting it get in, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, talking about himself, will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from the youth. Two things. You're not going to be able to do it because you're too young. Do you know people will doubt you? How many of you know people will doubt you? And especially when you're young, people will doubt you. They will, they will, they will like you, they'll love you, but they'll doubt you. When I first started preaching, I was young, all the old ladies loved me. I'm telling you, all them old ladies in the church loved me, and they would just encourage me. Would they believe anything I said? No. It wouldn't matter what I preach. It's just that, oh, they just love young men who, who, who love the Lord. And I was a young man who loved the Lord. And so, you know, that thrilled them. But they wouldn't pay any attention to what I said. And I, you know what? When I look back and think about some of the things I said, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm glad they didn't pay attention to some of that stuff that I said. Don't let anybody, what did Paul say to Timothy? Don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't live your life in such a way that people say, yeah, that's in young people right there. No, live your life in such a way that God is so working through you that other people can see you and say, that right there is what we want to see happen in this generation. You're too young. You can't do it. David did not let that get in him. David would not quit. David did not quit when other people doubted him. You tracking with me? How many of you have ever been doubted and felt like quitting? Okay, you don't think I can do it? I'll just leave. I'll just go home. They can figure out how to do it themselves. I don't care anymore. I'm just going on. 
Just walk out and quit. Or you can stay in there. See, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a world that quits. This is a quitting world right now. We just quit everything. We quit. Marriage gets tough. We quit marriage. Church gets tough. We quit church. Then we realize that, yeah, but I want to be married. So we go find another one. And then we realize, yeah, but I'd like to go to church. So we go find another one only to quit that one and that one again somewhere down the road. We quit everything. I was talking to a friend the other day, talking about people, hiring people. He said, I can't keep them. Everybody just wants to quit. We're in a quitting culture. This current culture is a quit culture. We talk about it's a cancel culture. No, it's a quit culture. Just quit on everything. Not God's people, not giant killers. Y'all not quitters. I tell you that right now. I see it inside. Man, I see the fire in your eyes right now. I see some of y'all say, I ain't quitting. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what they say. I'm not quitting. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I see it. I hear it. I see, you're thinking it, aren't you? Three of you. I heard. <laughs> I think it was a voice I heard in my head. I'm not quitting. Why? Because you've got giant killer in you. you got giant killer. Why? Because, let me tell you something. Jesus' DNA is in you. And Jesus was not a quitter. He did his assignment. He came. He did what he was supposed to do. And when others doubted him, and with David, when others doubted him, he just kept on going. There is this place in, in life. I was thrilled when I turned 55. Because when you're 55, people think you know something. When you turn 60, they think you're senile. You've got five years. You've got five years to make a difference. You better jump on it and do it quickly. Let me say, let me, let me, let me give a little side note here. If you, on the criticism, you can't quit on criticism, but let me, let me share something. People who love you will share critical instruction with you. Critical instruction means it, it, it it's, it could sound negative if you take it wrong, but it's actually meant for positive. You understand what I'm saying? Don't run away from that. See, we have a generation, a, a culture, let me say this, a culture now that we have access to YouTube, we have access to Google, we have access to Siri, we have, what's that other lady's name? The one that sits in the house? Alexa, we have access to Alexa. Uh, we have access to, uh, you know, my little, my little GPS directional lady. She's, she's an Aussie from down under. Um, and, uh, but, but we have all that stuff now, which means we know everything. Nobody can teach us anything. 
And if you tell me that I don't know something, I get offended. And if you tell me I could do something better, I get offended. And so I'm running off offended. I want to tell you something. If you want to get ahead in life and you want to be a giant killer and you want to be successful in life, hear the criticism and learn what to do with it. If you listen to the criticism, take it and then get rid of what doesn't belong and what is not true. But if there's a teachable moment in it, take it. Take it. Some of my, some of my best growth opportunities in life were when people criticized me. Some of them meant it for good. Some of them didn't. But through the criticism, I sat down and I waited out. And I said, is, is there some truth in this? And if I, if I decided there wasn't, I pitched it out. But if it was, I kept it. Another little helpful thing, if somebody ever writes you a letter. Um, I'm dating myself here. Back in the day, people would leave letters for pastors or send letters to pastors or, or whatever, but, but, they would na- but many of them wouldn't sign them when they were going to be nasty. <laughs> so here's what I did. I started uh, telling the church secretary, I said, you look at it, if there's no signature on it, throw it in the garbage. Because if they don't have enough guts to tell me who they are, I'm not reading it. And then there were one or two that was always negative, and I said, I don't care if they sign it or not. <laughs> Throw it in the trash. Get rid of it. I'm not, I'm not reading that stuff. Why? Because I don't, I don't have time to put that kind of garbage inside of me. If I'm going to be a David, I'm not going to let that stuff get to me. Now, this is it. I'm closing. I'm not, well, I'm not closing. I'm not on number three. The reason David was able to not quit when he was ridiculed, when he was judged, when he was criticized, and when he was accused. And the reason David was able to not quit when he was doubted and compared to, you can't do it because you're too young, and you can't do it because, well, he's a lot better than you are. That'll discourage some of you. That's what Saul said. But I love David. Love his response. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. I had a neighbor that did that with a bobcat that tried to get her dog the other day. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. Notice that verse. The Lord who rescues me or rescued me. The Lord who rescued me. Listen, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand or from the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. You know what he just, he just gave us the secret. 
Listen to me. He just gave us the secret. Guys, are you ready for the secret? You ready? Is it the blue pill? No. What is it? The red and the blue? I don't know. Are you ready for the secret? Are you ready for the secret? He knew that God was his source. Now, I know that that seems to be on the outset just kind of like, we all know that. But do we? But do we? The reason he is able to face Goliath is because he is remembering the faithfulness of God in the past in other situations. That's what the enemy wants to keep you from seeing. Man, I'm telling you, if he can speak garbage in your head and trash and trash talk you to keep you from being able to remember that God was faithful in the past, he will be faithful now. God, God helped me with the lion. He will help me now. God gave me victory over the bear. He's going to give me victory over this Philistine. I am believing that if we know that God is our source. God is the source. The only source. Listen to me. The only source. I've been, I've been, I've been doing this a while. and been doing marriage counseling for a while. Let me tell you something. I know what I'm talking about. God is the source of healing for your marriage. And outside of him, I can read you 400 books. I can give you tips. I can give you a bullet list. I can give you a punch list. I can give you a to-do list. And if you do this, 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 and this, if God is not the internal source for everything that drives you, it's not going to get there because we will still be living in selfishness. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? If selfishness is not replaced with God as our source for everything, not self as our source. David, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David knew that his victory was going to flow out of his relationship with God. David was able to be confident, not because David was one bad mamma jamma. David was able to be confident in his victory because of his relationship with God and his knowledge of who his source is. He knew where his victory was going to come from. He knew it. What are you struggling with right now that you need to discover who your source is? If you discover your source, see, let me try to explain it this way. If you need the accolades of the crowd, if you need the approval of the crowd, then you're looking to the crowd as the source of what you need to keep on going. Does this make sense to anybody? But when God is your source, you can appreciate the crowd, but you don't need the affirmation of the crowd. That's the reason this, 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 uh, this social media whirlwind creates that. 
or, or helps. What do you mean? Well, put a status on and then see how many times you check it to see how many likes or comments you got. Anybody tracking with me? I remember one lady got mad because she posted a prayer request and I didn't respond to it. I didn't put anything on there. First of all, I didn't see it because I don't live my butt on... Why do I do that? (laughs) Lord, help me with this. I know you are. Okay. (laughs) I don't live on... So you can do it without it, can't you? Comma. It's, I need to use commas instead of words like that. I don't live on Facebook. Very seldom I'm on Facebook because I hate social media. I didn't used to hate it. But when I see what it's doing to our world, when I see what it's doing to our culture, when I see what it's doing to our kids, I've come to hate it in so many ways. But I also love it. Because I love the, oppor- I love the fact that right now, We are on social media preaching the word of God and it's going out to millions of people or 10, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because maybe one of the 10 watching becomes a Billy Graham that takes it to the millions. Who's your source? David knew his source of victory. Listen to this verse, verse 46. I'll only read verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut you off. I want you to notice those two things. This day the Lord will deliver you and I will strike you down. Here's what I think we, we got to grasp. God uses our bodies and our minds. Are you tracking with me? He wants to use you and you and you and you. He wants to you. He needs your body. He needs your mind. He created you. He put you on this earth. He saved you. He's given you an assignment. He's given you a purpose. And me too. So he's saying, I'll provide the power. I just need you to use your, activate yourself, what I've given you. Does that make sense? Mm. Let me say this about source real quick. If you, if you find that God is the source of all the love that you need, then you will be able to love other people. Does this make sense? See, unconditional love, you know what unconditional love we talk about? Unconditional love cannot be given to somebody else. Unless, unless you have already come to this place where you realize that he is the source of all the love you need. Amen. And only when you come to that place are you able to give it away. Otherwise, in, we end up like this sometimes in marriage. Otherwise, 
we put too much pressure on a spouse because we have not embraced his love to fill us. We're trying to get their love to fill us, and they don't have the love to fill us. It's impossible. Did you all hear this one? Because it's going to be important for relationships in the years ahead. There's no guy ever going to be able to give, to fill, to fulfill your heart. Marry Jesus first. Fall in love with him first. Get a love relationship with Jesus first to where you don't even need a man. And then when God gives you a man, it's an awesome thing. Are y'all with me? But that's the only way. Marry Jesus first. Some of, oh, Jesus, don't make me do this. So, okay, I'm going to help somebody. Some of you keep hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship because you're afraid not to be in relationship. You have to have somebody. But because you have to have somebody, it makes you vulnerable to taking just anybody's. And when you take just anybody's, you find out that you're going to get yourself in trouble because that person is never going to be able to give you everything that you need anyway. Are you listening to me? Let him be the source of all the love relationship that you need in your life. Let him love you. You just broke up. Okay, listen to this. You just broke up with somebody. Okay? You, you are not even dry yet. And you're getting ready to jump into another relationship. And God's telling you, Stay out of the relationship and find a relationship with him. And once you have found a relationship with him and your heart is full, then you're ready for another relationship. I was going to say that was free, but I'm going to charge you a dollar. Everybody pass a dollar up here for that one. He's your source. This is not something that just makes good preaching. He's your source. He wants to be. There's only one source. Only one. Many channels, Jared, but one source. See, as God is your source, he could use any number of the people in this room as a channel to bless you but he's your source. Does that make sense? Your job is not your source. People are not your source. He is your source. David discovered this young. He discovered it young and it changed his life. It's why he was able to, to stand at the main event. How many of us, hey, forget the time with me just a minute. How many of us would have counted David out? How many of us, be honest with me, how many of us, and we knew the main event was David and Goliath, who would you have put your money on? In this corner, standing at 132 pounds, five inches, I mean five feet, nine inches tall, David 
the giant killer! In this corner, weighing in at 380 pounds solid muscle, nine feet and nine inches tall, the one, the only, Goliath. And now we're laying the money down. David's own family members are sneaking the money in on Goliath. We love you, David. Of course we're betting on you. 50 bucks on Goliath. You hear what I'm saying? I don't care who's counting you out. I don't care who's looking at you saying you don't have what it takes. You're not smart enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not pretty enough. You're too little. You're too big. You don't have enough education. You got too much education. I don't care what they're saying to you. God hasn't counted you out. He is putting you in. He's your source. And when everybody thought that this kid that was about to face this giant, the craziest thing that he had ever done in his life, there was one thing. He knew that God would be with him. Do you know that? Everybody's counting him out. But David comes up. And he just uses what, he uses what he was anointed to use. Saul tried to get him to wear his armor, but, it, but he couldn't do it. Why? Because when God puts an anointing on you, you got to do it the way God puts the anointing on you to do it. I tried for years when I first started preaching to preach like other preachers until I realized I can't preach like other preachers because God created me to preach different. If I want the anointing God put on me, I got to be me. You got to be you. Boo. Be the you that God created you to be. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. God's been faithful. The source of your finance, the source of your financial need. Somebody needs this, right? The source of your financial need is God. You've been getting mad at your family members because they've not been giving you money. Listen, listen, this is, this, is for some, this is one of those days, there's some stuff dropping in here right now that's very personal. Don't get mad at me, because I don't know who you are. But you've been getting a little ticked off because your family has not been giving you money and you know that you need money. And what God is telling you right now is, I'm, I've got you in a bubble. Because I want to make a giant killer out of you and you can't just lean there. I want to show you that I can provide for you. And what I need you to do is step out and trust me. Get along with me. Talk to me about what the need is. And I will provide that need in channels that you've never even imagined. Yes, I am the he. I'm the source. He is the source. But there are many channels that I can use to provide. But I can't open those channels until you've made me the source. Whew, that was... Somebody write that down. That just came. That just... Whew, let's just... I'm going to go sit on that one a minute. Come on, let's stand up and sing.